This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast, the premier geology flannel cast. My name is Steve. Hello, this is Chris. Good day. This is Jesse. Steve, you, I just wanted to let just, you just said something right there. You said the premier geology flannel cast. And you're yeah, right. This is the are. premier geology flannel cast because <laughs> it's the only geology flannel cast. Uh, for right now. I, so I've, been, I've been hearing grumblings. Right of It's also the premier geology podcast as well. That is true. <laughs> there are yeah. a lot of flannel casts, just not a... Uh, just not a lot of geology flannel cast. Yeah. No, it's funny you said that because I've definitely said that in the past too. Like when I'm like, thanks for listening to the premier geology flannel cast. No, <laughs> I'm serious. Like there, there's like a nine or nine or ten uh, flannel casts in Scotland, all about tartan material and stuff. So really? <laughs> no. Uh, well, <laughs> but I had you there for a second. Can... You did have me there for a second. Yeah. That could be our after hours podcast. There you go. Yeah. What sort of kilt do you wear? <laughs> nope. Don't like that. I'm out. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for downloading this week's episode of Wee. the Geology Flannel Cast. Antics will ensue. Uh, that's something that you can always bank on. So, um, well, uh, how's everyone doing today? We doing all right? Living, loving, loving, living. Yeah. I'm feeling like 10 bucks. That's yeah. better than feeling like nine bucks. So yeah. I'll take it. Life's That's, a garden. Dig it. Look at you living on the bro- looking on the bright side. Man, I like it. Today was just a beautiful day to be alive. I'm sure tomorrow will be another beautiful day to be alive. Yeah. Just, yeah. It uh, was. I'm not gonna lie. It was hot and humid here in Philly. I was in and, Atlanta. Ooh. It was a little, little steamy. I yeah. I tell you what, and yeah, so school is is back in school's back in session. School's up. Yeah, the opposite, the opposite of that. Of that yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Alice, Alice, Alice Cooper's runner-up to that did not catch on. So, yeah. so like, teaching, I'm trying to, you know, be semi-professional, so I wore pants like a sucker and, oh. and a shirt like a sucker. I wore a college shirt today. I did I not did. wear pants. <laughs> and you got it escorted just, out by the police. <laughs> just rolled, <laughs> rolled into my boxer briefs. What? There's, there's old Peterson again. <laughs> Are you kidding? We work on a college campus. I'm pretty sure if I walked around boxer briefs, nobody would care. No, you wouldn't probably bad an eye. But it, yeah, I think with the humidity, it was like 104 today. Yeah. It was cool. just miserable. Good but, times. Yeah. Got through it. Well, we got an action-packed episode for the geology flannel cast today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what do you guys want to talk about today? So, what's really been weighing on my mind is depositional environments for wow. sedimentary just, just particles. Keep, just particles particles <laughs> is that what we're calling them particles, particles. I guess, I, you're not wrong i'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> no, i guess technically i mean 
Yeah, I, let, like uh, let, I guess let, we could we could settle on that topic. Hi, oh, nice, nicely done. That's exactly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you if you take let's say uh, igneous rock, grind it all up from weathering, and deposit it, what would you call it? Depends where it's at. Sediment, right? It, what it went no, through. It's sediment oh is that sediment? what you're getting at i see what you're saying <laughs> now yes. well if you had is, is rock and everything was... that's ground up and deposited sediment yeah i guess well so here's sediment's just tiny tiny rocks tiny rock because <laughs> i mean you can very call, small rocks <laughs> like in the so- when soil when you're forming soil from say an igneous material you would call um as the igneous sort of parent breaks down, you, you, you could, there's different names for that too. I don't know if I would call it sediment. Saprolite. Saprolite. Saprolite is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Even saprolite hasn't really been transported. It hasn't been transported. Saprolite's still in situ. It's yeah. It's, it's the being in place and not, which I guess transportation is sort of part of the story. Right. Yeah, yes. when would you start? I guess you just hmm. But that's an interesting this is an interesting philosophical debate it, here. When, it when does it become sediment? Yeah. Well, I would say, I, like, so like I think as soon as it breaks off from the original material, you'd say it's sediment because technically a boulder could be sediment. All right, yeah. hang on. We're doing so what we used to do. And it starts to be transported, boom, you got sediment. What what are we talking about? What is this week's topic? You just said depositional environments. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was clear because sometimes we get yelled at for going off on tangents and not really talking about. Well, we're what really, really getting this, into the nitty gritty yeah. right now with this. But I like the nitty gritty because I want to talk about the moon. Uh oh. So uh, you, is the moon a piece of sediment? Well, that's what is I'm that, wondering. Is that what you're getting at? Well, so the surface of the moon has dust, right? It's the moon itself. There's sediment on top of sediment. Slowly breaking down. Well, yeah, it's. Yeah, what's it? When it. When there was cohesion, when you well, hold on. okay. Would you? Oh here's, my here's, goodness okay. gracious, we're going off. No, to, this is fun. This is because you're not going to hear world. this anywhere else. This is this is one of the only topics that we're. Well, I guess we're not scared to touch this topic, right? And that's what yeah. we're known for, right? We cover the topics that nobody else wants to wants to cover. All right, so we have uh, 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 with Thea. Thea slams into Earth, right? Earth is yeah. a baby planet, slams into Earth, boom. So Thea get... is a planet that's like the size of Mars. Mm-hmm. Slams, slams, slams into Earth, the... shears off a portion of Earth's mantle, and it goes out, you know, outside of the Earth. It kind of conglomerates. Doesn't escape, doesn't escape our gravity. Doesn't escape so. the gravity, coalesces, comes back together. Now, is that mat- the question that I have? So I'm assuming... You always hear about the simulations that they say that's molten material that got ejected from the earth. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Okay. So you have molten material that cools and crystallizes, turns into an igneous rock. Can that yeah. still be sediment? No. So I it no. melted. By no. definition, it, it melted. Gone. Yeah. And so but but, I mean, but you can get like volcanic material that yeah, that stuff melted like volcanic bombs. Would, volcanic, sometimes that stuff acts like sediment. It you acts can get like volcanic. Sediment, is it sediment? 
Well, that's what I'm asking. That's that's oh, the yeah. you know we we're right in the definition right now. I mean, of because like this is yeah, because the I mean part of the moon you do you have places where you have the basalt where you can see it was it was molten and it flowed and yeah they make up the what's the it mares, called the the mares mares that's right yeah um and but yeah you have uplands but I I was thinking yeah you're getting right at the beginning here is the you know. Is it just pieces of material? That's a great question. I was thinking I, more of just the surface. I was going to say the moon was molten. Cooled. So just by the basic definition, it was an igneous rock that cooled. And then there are erosional processes that are actually happening on the moon, whether it's just being bombarded with meteorites or micro. I would say micro erosion micro. Yeah. yeah it's just some sort of erosional processes, which is then but it's not like. Mm. but it's dusty <laughs> so you get you it's i mean the surface is really dusty so we would consider the surface of the moon regolith it's yes reg, the regolith is just sediment ah. that can't it's it's it differs from soil and that soil can can sustain organics can can sustain you know life processes but yeah. So, I, that's, so is the moon the biggest piece of sediment? No, I'm going to say no. Is the moon covered in sediment? Yes. Well, I'm say yeah, yes. Yeah. I would say yes. If I mean, I don't know too much about the moon, but apparently, yeah, there's there's the dust on the moon. Yeah, I would too. And, but yeah, is it? But the, is, is it that a... dust okay? <laughs> so then, if that dust is like. Uh, uh, like impact material, you know, like, like meteorites and stuff like that coming in. Micrometeorites, does that count as sediment too? Ooh, yeah. Is a micrometeorite <laughs> is that a sedimentary process? I I want to I want to take every process we know and somehow make it a sedimentary process. Yeah, a micrometeorite would be sediment, but the moon's not sediment then. No, because it was molten after it came together. Right. Micrometeor is well. At one point, the melt. meteorite had to been molt. It had to been. Had, I guess if you have like, I know it's so, all like leftover stuff from when that when the solar system formed. But that's kind of always like that's like this like the general background knowledge of like meteorites. Like so I, the I'm meteor, sure it's like the, no, no, no. The, the meteorite itself isn't sediment, but once it hits and breaks pieces or breaks up itself it and becomes- adds to the deposit then yes it is sediment like the, the, an igneous rock is molten and then solidifies once it breaks up and becomes sediment we don't yeah, you, we don't care how it became sediment we don't well, care maybe that it was that's molten thing, first or, in order to consider it sediment there has to be some kind of like weather break up oh, yeah yeah right something break break, break up and transportation well does it need to transport well, then that's the what we're talking about with the saprolite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is good. Well, all right, let's let's just call it an episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, but saprolite, this... uh, real quick, saprolite is amazing. I don't know if anyone's ever it. seen saprolite, like in situ. How do you think that stuff's amazing? It's just stupid. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> so. You see these like, like beautiful like cake bake off shows where they like make these intricate cakes that look just like real life. That's what saprolite is. I've seen saprolite of like granite 
and it's it looks just like granite, but you could take it in your hand and squish it. Like yeah, that's you, what saprolite is. You could poke it and it would just crumble apart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's super. It that's that's what I say is super cool about it. Yeah. When Chris said rotten, that's exactly what it. It's like rotten rock. It's. But it doesn't. It you know it doesn't look darker or smelly no. or anything like that. It's just it looks like rock, but when you grab it, it'll melt in your hand. It's like well, the opposite I mean, of an. I don't animal. know. I mean, like yeah, there's there's some. Like, it'll melt in like, your mouth too, though. I guess. Well, if you see like some like sapro- saprolytic schist. You could tell, like you're like, all right, that's that stuff is like on its last leg. You can you can tell sometimes, right? But saprolytic granite but just by looks like it. granite. Mm, it looks a little more. It almost seems like a little more like bulbousy, to tell you the truth. Like when I see like I've never seen saprolytic granite where I was like, is it, that looks like solid rock? It always looks like it's kind of like uh, not frothy, but um, you could see, you could see like the, flaky, the indi- maybe yeah, flaky, it's crumbly. Like the, the individual grains, yeah, poking but, out. But still, it it. For all, you know, if you were 10 feet away, it looks like rock. Now, here's the thing. You're never going to be 10 feet away from saprolite, like a wall of saprolite, because that just doesn't exist in nature, because it'll just fall apart. So I've only seen it in core sample, where you're coring through soil, coring through saprolite, coring through rock, and then you can see, like, this is dirt. Oh, it looks like we hit rock. You grab it. Nope, that's not rock. It's saprolite, and then you go down further, and gotcha. like, there's a the rock. I've seen some outcrops where, like, oh, towards the bottom, it gets a little saprolitic. Um, yeah, that, and that, I, that you really know, like uh, I've seen it in granites where it's like that's that really crumbly granite. I maybe, maybe not even saprolit, like almost like what would you say if it's what's the definition of saprolite? They, now, where they, is the saprolite well, start? Because I've seen they, granites where it's just like. Like the big feldspar crystals are popping off. And the engineering like, term is called rippable. Rippable. And rippable means, it, it, you know, there there are different, there's a specific definition, but essentially, can you rip it up with a backhoe? Can you <laughs> can you go out to a, anything's out, a lot of stuff? I was going to say like backhoe. my house. Is <laughs> no, you, <laughs> no, but no. When it comes to soil and stuff, because you know you do these surveys, you do these. Uh, uh, acoustic sonic surveys and that based on how quickly the sound goes through depends on essentially how cohesive the rock is density so can you is there a lot of fractures is there a lot of faults is it saprolytic you know how rippable can you just go in there with a backhoe and, and rip it up and move it like highways and things like that they need to know like do we need to blast or can we just have heavy equipment out there to move it so they what call if you it rippability. What if you just have uh, like a, uh, a sandstone that's not well cemented? Uh, again, it, it has to do with the, um, I keep saying acoustic, but that's not right. The, the, essentially, the, this. I mean, are you getting into like uncemented like, sandstone? We would just call. Oh, we'd say it's unlithified. No, but like, there's like some sandstones that, like, when you like rub it, like, oh, the sand yeah. just like falling off. They're not well cemented together. We would say it's friable. Friable, right. yeah. That that's yeah. Yeah, same same thing. And and the properties, the sonic properties of those, can determine essentially how easily it is to be ripped up. Wait, are you you're talking about like um like from like seismic surveys, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, sure, because like, yeah, it'll tell you that if it's uh, if it's saprolite, obviously, I, I would. I don't. I don't. 
essentially the sound moves through it's yeah, you, slower. If it goes slower the, because the it's, easier it's not it is. as dense because yeah, solid, the, if you have like solid granite, it's like super dense and exactly. sound will move faster through that than, than the saprolytic stuff, which I'm right. assuming has more like air in it. It's just not as cohesive. Um, right. And that sound can't travel from particle to particle because yeah. they're not touching each other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it slows down and yeah. So that, that is huge engineering uh, implications. And then I know they also use the um, the that the hammer blows to figure out what the what the subsurface is. Oh yeah, many, what's uh, that called? I think uh, yeah, it's a sonic survey. Compression? No, 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 no. When they have like when they oh have, the, like, the cone the, the big uh, giant hammer yeah. and they see how many how many like hammer like hits it takes to get through the material, you can figure out how dense it is. Yeah, exactly. God gracious, I don't know what's going on in my brain today. I can't remember that, but it's like a CST. See, I remember a little bit about it from my environmental. Yeah, days, I'm sorry. But I I'm never, terrible. I should know this. Environmental engineer yelled at for not knowing this. But <laughs> uh, yeah, essentially, yeah, you're correct. Same, same, uh, same method. So it's, not it's different, important. slightly different methodology with the same result. Like trying to figure out. Yeah, this is important for like. Uh, um, for engineers if you're gonna if you're own penetration test that's what i was thinking that's it yeah yeah cpt so if you're uh like an engineer and you're trying to figure out can we can we build on this stuff you know uh you know you, it, it, you need a certain density like you don't want to build directly on loose sand or you know there's ways to do it obviously but you just need to figure out which technique you're going to use to to build on on the you know whatever subsurface material so a way to figure out the density is they have these What's the best word for that? Is it's just like a big, a big hammer, right? That's they just uh, like, yeah. You can ding, you can do you ding, can do split. Uh, so what's called um, the split spoon uh, soil collection technique? So you it's a shoot. I want to say it's it's a hundred pound hammer lifted thirty inches in the air and then dropped. Okay, and then, and then you how, see many how, far it how many times? you that hammer blow hits in a six inch interval so if it drops six inches and it took 20 hammer blows you write that down it was 20 over six yeah yeah then and, then you, can and you you do it for two feet and then they basically throw out the first number and the last number and then they average the two numbers in between and that's that's your n value they call it and that that tells you how stiff your soil is it's like or a, st stiff your substrate is yeah it's like olympic scoring <laughs> a little bit so um and then if you if you went 50 hammer blows and it didn't go six inches then it's uh like you just say like two over 50 like it only went two inches over 50 blows mm -hmm. um but yes that that is an engineering a geotechnical engineering methodology to figure out how stiff the substrate is because sometimes you know it's like super liquidy clay depositional environment then it's a sandy depositional environment then it's a gravelly depositional environment and the gravel actually ends up being pretty um structurally hard to get through so you might want to put like a wood pile through the clay through the sand 
onto the gravel. And then that wood pile is not going to move anywhere. There you go. So if you're building a house, we kind of just told you how to build your house right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why funny. like, like down the shore, like North Carolina, South Carolina, Jersey shore, like they, they can build these houses on sand because they drive these piles oh, into the ground. Atlantic city, all the casinos and the beach right there, you know, yeah. Miami and, beach, all the, all the hotels right there on the, you know, and in some of those places, the, the sand is like a thousand feet thick. So you're not driving these piles down a thousand feet. You have what's called uh, the skin friction. Essentially, the out the the outside diameter of the pole is actually creating this friction. And the mm-hmm. you know you you have to get so many. They drive it in pretty similar way, and then once they can't drive it in no more. <laughs> You know, to use a Popeye, I can, all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Uh, <laughs> that, that's essentially how far it goes. But they're building codes, obviously, and you have to drive it a certain amount, certain distance, and it has to be a certain amount of blows, and it has to be with a certain weight and these things. And and then depending, like if you can't get it far enough, then you might have to, instead of being six feet apart, maybe your piles need to be three feet apart now because, um that's just not good enough. So, you know, all, all these things are factored into the engineering of it. Um, but that brings us way far away from our depositional environment. Yeah. I was, gonna say, where, I was just going with it to see where this, this, this conversation organically goes. I mean, we started off with this uh, debate about what is the def when does the particle become <laughs> sediment? Yeah. Is, is the um, moon. Is the moon a piece of sediment? Hey, email us at yes. uh, Let us know what you think. Um, Hit us up. Which email should you? Chris at geologyflannelcast.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know where you think the definition of sediment should start. Are we wrong? Are we right? Let us know. We'll share the answers. Or is the moon sediment? Is the moon a piece of sediment? What do you think, everybody? If you're listening to this, shoot me shoot me an email, (laughs) and. uh, I don't know. In a future episode, in like a week or two, we'll uh, we'll talk about this stuff. Yeah, and at, as you saw, we went off on a giant tangent because we did not stick to our beautifully formatted outline for today's topic. Uh, mm, the formatting formula would be uh, angry with us. We spent all this time outlining these uh, beautifully formatted documents, and we don't follow them. So, but to that end. Please check out formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. I was just talking to them today and apparently there's a, uh, a bunch of PhD theses that are coming through um, as reference to us. So keep them, Mm. keep them coming, keep them coming. They love it. Um. When they get real busy, sometimes they yell at me like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm like, well, I can't help it. That we're such a premier geology <laughs> podcast that so many of your people keep coming on. So what can I say? Uh, I guess if there are other businesses out there who want to sponsor us, you know, let us know. <laughs> we're, we're not too ashamed to take your money either. So, uh, but seriously, check them out. Formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word format documenting needs. 
Steve, you're quite the professional when it comes to, I, you know, it's, it's, it's seamless. I, it is seamless. It, it really is. I, I should be some sort of spokesperson. Maybe you I'll, have the, you have the golden radio voice. Maybe I'll host a podcast or something one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe. the dream. That's the dream we all aspire to. If only you knew like people to do a podcast with, right? All right. So listen, so obviously we had this little debate in the beginning, but how do you want to jump into this, this topic today of depositional environments? Where, where, yeah, where should big, we start? It is a big it's topic. A, this is, this is well, topic. Uh, the, the fact of, I guess I never really thought of you have enough meteorites hitting your surface. That's going to be a deposit. I never thought about that. Like the moon is covered in sediment from meteorites. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily the earth. I don't think you see meteorite deposits. Well, I should. I, I mean, you see I, some, but not not enough evidence. To, of, I, I wouldn't call that a depositional environment. Yeah. Because <laughs> I guess the fact that okay. the depositional so, environment of a meteorite is a planet. Okay. <laughs> Done. Moving on. <laughs> so, all right. We should start off with what is a depositional environment. Okay. Ooh. So just throw that out there. And so what it is, is you have sediment that's being moved. Well, I guess there's a clastic and a non-clastic version of a depositional environment, right? So we'll start off with the, the clastic, the classic clastic definition. Right? What is clastic? Clastic, Steve. Thank you for bringing that up. It means that it's like a, a, a quartz, it's usually quartz-based sediment. Uh, it's resistant to uh, weathering. And it, this stuff is transported along. It's wrote it down, transported along, and then dumped off. And uh, that's your basic definition of, of clastic deposits there. Yeah, just like a solid piece, right? Yeah. yeah. Solid, strong piece of sediment. Chunks. Chunks. So. Um, Truffle shuffles. Yes, thank you. Yes. So uh, in your, your, your classic definition of a depositional environment you say that stuff is is like i said it's it's, it's brought down it's a road uh, it's transported either a great distance or a small distance and we have ways to figure that out but and it's basically we where do? yeah we do we, we, we can kind of kind of reverse engineer this stuff and figure out where it came from love it and all of a sudden it stops being transported and then when it stops being transported like for good for good we call that deposition it gets deposited boom dumped off so we're talking like things like a river delta right river delta is probably like the classic example of a uh, of a depositional environment right you get all this material coming off of a river draining off the draining off the continents and then boom it hits the standing body of water and as we know the river doesn't just keep on flowing underneath the the large standing body of water right the water the once the river hits this large standing body of water like a like a, an ocean for example the, the water kind of dissipates out, it loses its energy, and then plop, drops all that sediment that it was bringing along. Yeah, that's a good example of like a, a terminal, like the end of its life. You can still deposit stuff at the bottom of rivers. So, and, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, yeah. no, you're, yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, I interrupted your thought. No, I, I'm just saying like, there are examples of like, Here's what a river looks in cross section in rock because the the rivers can fill up, yeah, and then you get yeah. over banks and, and like astemosing and all like the rivers just kind of move and then it and, leaves that stuff behind. And so that's mainly because 
like there's a direct relationship between the size of the sediment and the energy needed to move it. There's mm. other factors that are sort of involved. Unless you're clay. Yeah. Oh. Other, <laughs> other factors that could move things. But um, so like, you know, if you have a change in energy, stuff will deposit or, or get picked up, depending if, if you pick up your energy, you'll pick up more stuff if you drop your energy. So when, you know, a river delta, when you go from a river to, say, the ocean, you have a huge drop in energy. So you're going to drop most of your sediments. And that's, you know, why oftentimes you get these classic looking deltas of, of you know, sediment being deposited. But like Steve's saying, like, along the course of a channel, if the gradient lowers, you lose energy, the, the, the river flows slower. And so you can drop sediment in the channel itself. Right. So think about a, yes. a, a river making a right-hand turn on the outside of that turn, that, that water's moving pretty fast. So it's not going to be losing energy. It's not going to be depositing stuff on the inside of that turn. It's actually moving much, much slower. So you actually are getting some like the, the, the uh, capacity for it to hold sediment in its uh, water is lost because it's so, slowed down so much that it drops its energy. And then it's like, Oh, I can't hang on anymore. And then it drops it. So it's, we, we it's competence. It's yeah. Capacity is how much, it, how much sediment it can hold. It's competence is uh, your fancy words. I just like to say it can't hold anymore, but yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot like if you're, um, if you're racing somebody, right. I imagine like an eighties, an 80, a movie from the eighties. I challenge you to a race, you know, I'd um, watch that movie. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm already in. <laughs> yeah. Which, they had like something similar. Uh, you ever see the movie better off dead with John Cusack? Yes. Yeah. They had the skiing my competition. $2. At the end. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. The paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this so. is pure snow. <laughs> so, all right. You challenge some, you're in a, in a foot race on a, on a track. Um, what lane do you want to be on? You want to be on the inside inside lane or the outside lane? The answer is you want to be on the inside lane to have the advantage, right? Because you have less less area, less not I want less area. That's not the right distance. word to use. Less distance to run than what if you're on the outside lane, right? So now this is I, I do a really good job explaining this if I have something to like a, a visual to show everyone, but I'll try my best just only doing variable right now. Oh, I got an so, example after you're done. All right. Ooh, great, I want to, I want to so, hear you crash and burn with that. Here we examples. go. So I'm going to babble on for the next two minutes or so, and nobody's <laughs> going to understand anything I'm saying. Okay. So the water is going around this bend, right? So the inside's going slower. The outside's kind of whipping around. It's going faster. So the water kind of at the beginning of the bend leaves at the same point, And then the inside and the outside are at the same, at, at the same time. Um, and then, when it finishes the bend, they both have to finish at the same side. So basically what I'm try trying to say is that the outside has more of a distance to go in the same time period that the inside shorter path has to go. So if you have, if you're going a farther distance in a shorter time period, you're moving faster. Yes. And that's what the outside is. So Steve, I butchered the heck out of that. So just go. No, ahead. no, I, I was thinking more of <laughs> bail we were, me out, please. <laughs> we were We were talking earlier about like, clay and how that's different and uh you know 
the the capacity, like Jesse said, of a river to, to hold sediment. The the water is water. You know, let's just water assume. is water. There you go. You heard it first. <laughs> water, uh, <laughs> obviously, salt water versus fresh water. You know, might have slightly different density properties, but let's just say water is water. Slightly. And, oh, for <laughs> so, you, you, uh, it's no ice. I'll tell you that. Ooh, what, don't, don't even get me started on brackish water, Steve. Oh my god! All right, so you have <laughs> you have your garden hose spraying at a sand pile. It's going to move uh, that sand pile. Yeah, you have a fire hose spraying at a gravel pile. It's going to move that gravel. Now, assume instead of water, now you're talking about air. When it comes to clay, clay is like paper plates. Uh, sand is like ping pong balls. Gravel is like tennis balls. Okay. So you're at this picnic. I like to relate everything to food. So you're at this picnic. You have a, a pile of paper plates, uh, a stack of ping pong balls, and a stack of tennis balls. Then some dude decides to bring a leaf blower to a picnic. You know, I, this is how we roll in Delco. Uh, <laughs> he turns the leaf blower on low. Okay. So you have a certain amount of energy on your picnic table, which is now your river, the ping pong balls are going to start to move. They're all going to start to go downstream. They're all going to start like th there's just enough energy from this leaf blower to blow all those ping pong balls down the stream. The paper plates, th they're just fluttering. They're all sitting there. They're not, they're not doing anything because they're all stuck together. Right. And then the tennis balls, the tennis balls are like, come at me, bro. Like nothing. So then the leaf blower guy ups the leaf blower. Now he's, he's blowing much faster. Now all the ping pong balls are gone. They're all downstream. The tennis balls are starting to roll downstream. The paper plates are like, oh, you know, they're starting to vibrate. But again, the paper plates are just kind of not really going anywhere. Now the leaf blower cranks it up. The paper plates go nuts. Then imagine the leaf blower goes back down to its original low velocity where it's still fast enough to blow the ping pong balls. All those paper plates that are in the air are going to stay in the air. When they're all stuck together in their stack, it takes a lot of energy to get them out of their stack. But once they're in their stack, those plates are going all over the park. Does that make sense? Chris and yes. Jesse are like, I tuned out two minutes ago. No, I, um, I was just... Uh... It takes a lot of energy to get the clay up into suspension, but once they're once in, suspension, in suspension, then it hangs it out. Doesn't, there for it a doesn't while. take a um, lot of energy to keep them in suspension. And if you may have, if, if you had a, a sediment geology class, the, these Which concepts I, I of barely haven't. <laughs> grain size moving, it has a classic, there's a classic graph called or a diagram called the Hulstrom diagram. Yeah, great diagram. It's my favorite. Uh, it shows, I like the shields, but that's a good one. Too. That's another shields, good one. Shields is a good one. <laughs> but yeah, podcast and our favorite diagrams. But so that yeah. might be the dorkiest thing we've it. ever said on this podcast. How, have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen a nomogram? Come on, man. So the, okay, <laughs> at the clay end, it, it you know on on the x axis, it's grain size. And so, and, and on the Y it's energy needed to move. And so clay on the clay end, the energy is high, 
and then it drops off because you don't need much energy to once you get it moving to move clay and to move silt and very fine sand and then it picks back up because you need more energy to move you know medium and quartz and so the, to move clay because i guess we should say what why is clay so hard to move and it's because number one clay is made of paper plates clay is made of paper plates is dicky, what I'm dicky, <laughs> clay is um so the definition of clay is is a uh a particle of sediment that's less than one two hundred fifty six of a millimeter. It's really, 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 really small. You need a scanning. You could probably laptop. picture that. You know, uh, you know, everyone could picture one. Everyone knows what one two hundred fifty six of a millimeter looks like. Uh, <laughs> you need a scanning electron microscope to see clay. But uh, when well, you no, hang on, here here is a layman's way to visualize clay. All right. You just said true. paper plates. How much more layman's are you going to get? That's true. But I was thinking you can you can put. Uh, throw a hunk of soil in a bucket, shake the crap out of it, and let it sit for several hours. If the m- water is still "quote unquote" muddy, you have clay. Yeah. If so it's, technically, if it's tw- not, you shake it, and after twenty-four hours, anything that's still in, in suspension is is clay. Still. Yes. So, but that's just a layman's way, like. Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't know. Is this is this sandy? Is this silty? Is this clay? Like, I don't know. Stick it in a bucket, shake it all up, agitate it, get it in there with a wooden spoon, stir it all up, and then let it sit. Like, but uh, I, I do like your paper plate uh, example because think about this now. Okay, so you get like the cheapest paper plates you can get at the at the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. And so, say you only want one paper plate, you take it off, and there's always like two or three stuck together, right? You have, to, it, it, you have to really get your fingernails in there and peel that one paper plate off. You just want one paper plate, right? What paper plates are you buying that that oh, doesn't come on. Like You get like the, the cheap ones. You no, get, I know. They have to sell all my it's paper like, plates. There's like, all my paper plates cheap. All right. Well, then whatever. Paper plates. It doesn't matter. The cheap ones, whatever. All right. Fine. I just I never bought the expensive hoid, ones. So I don't hoid, know what the expensive hoid. ones are like. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you only buy the expensive ones. Like I haven't bought a cheap paper plate since 1997. Okay. <laughs> so regardless, thank you, Steve, for making my life difficult right now. So you take your paper plate, right? Remember, you gotta you gotta peel it apart. That's kind of what clay's like. Clay stick together, they're platy and they're stuck together with the static electricity. And that's they, they have a charge to it because they're, they're so small and it's that that, that platy shape and they, they stick together and that's what makes clay very cohesive and so it takes it uh i don't i uh the heelstroms i want to say it's to, to use the heelstroms diagram what jesse said and if you've never heard that before don't worry about it but it what? just kind of should worry you should you should, you should <laughs> stay up all night worrying about the night. replace the world heelstrom with steve's leaf lower Question is, Jesse, can you spell Heelstrom off oh, the gosh. top of your head? Yeah. H J U with an umlaut. L no, sorry. H J U L S T R O with an umlaut M. I don't know how to spell it off the top of my head. So I was impressed. <laughs> I'm gonna say that's yes. Very, yeah, that's very good. Heelstrom. So basically, what it's saying is how much energy it takes to move each particle of sediment. So your clays, so it, it starts off gravel takes no, no. more energy than sand, which makes sense. Gravel's bigger, gravel's, um, you know, uh, gravel's bigger than sand. And then you have sand, 
sand is uh, anywhere from two millimeters to one sixteenth of a millimeter. So it's smaller. So it, it makes sense. It's, it takes less energy to move that. And then once you get down to, and then get silt below that. And then once you get down towards like the clay area, that's where it actually takes more energy to, to, to push around clay than it does larger, larger particle sizes. That's because it's cohesive. It's the, the clay starts sticking together. Pretty cool. So I think it takes off the top of my head without looking at the heel stream in front of me right now. I think it's like somewhere around like coarse sand to gravel, the amount of energy it takes to move clay, cohesive clay. And right. it's, it's cohesive. We mentioned that it's cohesive because of electrostatic forces, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess. Yes. So then once, once that clay is in suspension, however, it can stay there for a long time. You, you don't yeah. need the energy of, water to pick Unless up course you have rip up class and then that's a whole different story <laughs> stop unless <laughs> it yeah unless it flocculates all right yeah. so now we're talking clastic deposits so this is a fluvial fluvial deposit right we're all talking about water picking stuff up dropping it out yeah um what are some other depositional environments besides rivers go do you want me to go? I mean, like there's anybody, like a, there's like a bazillion of these. Well, I, I pick uh meteorite deposits on the moon next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll go with, uh, you know what I'm going to go with. Do you want to go with my answer or just Eolian? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not going. I mean, I could go with that one if you want, but yeah, you know what I'm going with Jesse. Do you want to go first or cause I'm going to no, go. You go. I want to hear you. Yeah. All right. I know what it is. Yeah, of course you know what it is. <laughs> Coastal deposits, all right? Yeah. Transitional deposits, right? Um, so in general, let me just Boring. start off. Boring. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> it's not quite a so, river, not quite an ocean. Just Yeah, yeah. You know. it's not terrestrial. It's not marine. Ah, you're kind of in the middle. It's transitional, you know? Um, yeah, so you have these, these transitional deposits and kind of things like beaches barrier islands, stuff like that. And so um, the way we could talk about, how do you, how do you, how do you guys want me to break this down? I, I want you to give me the 30 second breakdown of what a coastal deposit is. Go. So it's a deposit that occurs along the coast. <laughs> All right. Fill in another 27 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> all right that's the thing i know i know with you i know you talk about this for five hours i don't want a five-hour lecture on coastal deposits this is a podcast not a boring cast all right so let's let's some might say that it's both for hours but (laughs) (laughs) we we don't just trying to serve everyone this one is particularly nerdy i'm going to tell you right now this podcast so far is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are getting we'll, have, yes. we'll have a niche yeah. audience for this yes, one. That's, this that's for, one. We are really getting into the nitty gritty, <laughs> pun intended there. But so all right. So in transitional environments, we obviously we that's where we have the the um uh the terrestrial environment meeting the marine environment. All right. So there's a lot of processes that are occurring along there, particularly we have things like wave action, 
tides and throw that in the throw that all in the mix with these storms that are always battering the coast and that's moving stuff around and, and whatnot. So the your your coastal we have your coastal deposits are always being reworked. So right at the at where the coastline is, it's a high, very high energy environment, right? If you're ever at like the beach, you see like the waves pounding in every every 10 seconds or so, right? Chances are you're sitting at the beach during like uh, quiet, calm conditions. You know, you're not there during a during a nasty storm or anything like that, right? So there's a nope. fair amount of energy I'm, during. I'm point breaking it only at the hundred year storm. <laughs> you're there during the the calm environments. Um, you're not there when the when the nasty storms come up. But when these nasty storms come up, man, that energy level just skyrockets, and it's it's moving a lot of stuff around. So. Uh, so like, for example, the stuff that we see on the East coast of the United States, we have, the United States has a very large coastal plain. And I guess, so you could consider that the, the coastal plain is just what we call this, like, uh, it's almost like this, like plastic wedge, this like big pile of classic sediments. Um, and on the East coast of the U S it's all just the eroded remnants of the Appalachian and it's, mountain. It's because it's a passive margin. Yes, that's really important. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you, you don't have it on the west. Yeah, on the west coast, you know, especially in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. you have a trench from subduction. What? So all the sediment that gets shed just drops down into it. It's that, and it's actually because it's also an active margin. Um, you don't have the well-defined river systems like you do on the east coast. Oh, right, 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 right. So that's that's the other the other major variable as well. Why we have this like super well-developed uh, coastal plain, but yeah, Jesse's right. There's also like a deep trench so that any sediment that gets dumped off into the ocean, just boom, see you later. Like God yeah. knows where that and stuff went. On, on we the East Coast, been... we have the oldest rivers in the world. Please check podcast. Yeah. 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 That was a good callback. Yeah. 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 Nice. And we, so, we haven't had uh, active margin in hundreds of millions of years. So yes. Yeah. That helps so, too. So in terms of, in terms of your transitional, depositional environments we're dealing with things like uh barrier islands mainland beaches um bays slash estuaries depending on where you're at you if you you know lagoons another term um you you're way over your 30 seconds by the way okay <laughs> <laughs> and then within your barrier islands there's also sub sub environments within that you could break down the, the the islands um you know so uh and then uh, if you go into the shallow marine environment, then we can also get into non-clastic stuff. If you want to get into the limestones, we didn't even touch uh, the non-clastic stuff. Yeah, yet. We, didn't, we didn't even get to chemical sediments yet. Yeah. Um, let's let's just knock out some more uh, some more clastic depositional environments. Uh, so we already said aeolian glacial moraines. Oh man. Well, aeolian means uh that's sand wind, wind derived yeah so it's, yeah, it's, it's basically wind blown sediments so you can get them sand dunes you can get uh what is the, the term for the the silt ones uh, uh you have glacial lus which lus thank you lus yes wind blown uh glacial flower silt deposits so um and then you have glacial deposits which can be anything from like well, I'll let Jesse take it over. Oh, boy. You can have moraines, which are uh, just sort of the edges of the glacier, either lateral moraines or on the side, 
or the terminal moraine would be the furthest extent that the glacier pushes down. And it just churns up sediment as it's moving over a landscape. Um, and so you're left with all this material. And then after the glacier melts, it leaves behind all that sediment. And we call that till. Left out medial moraines. What's that? Medial moraines. Oh, or two, <laughs> two lateral uh, moraines. The two glaciers meet. Yeah. They're lateral moraines. Yeah. And a medial moraine in the middle. The classic deposits from a glacier, too, can be anything from like a bus sized boulder down to clay. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and at the yeah. at the leading edge of the glacier, um, when it's still there, you know, you could have seasonal melt. So you get outwash plains of sediment that are uh, oftentimes manifest as braided streams. Mm. So you have a ton of sediment with a variable discharge. So and some. Sometimes, you know, in the wintertime, all that water freezes up and nothing moves. And then in the, in the spring, it all melts and it, you know, it has energy. And so all that sediment gets pushed. Did you mention varves? Did I miss it? No. Oh, yeah. Varves. Varves are, uh, that's all right. You said the, the melt, the, the freeze and the melt and maybe think of varves. Yeah, this is, the varves are lake deposits. So again, rivers, right. we'll rivers going into lakes, yeah. uh, creeks going into lakes. Um, Chris mentioned bars because they lakes, especially in the northern and su- southern uh, high northern latitudes, low southern latitude, high southern latitudes, high I guess, southern, uh, tend to have seasonality associated with them in, you know, let's face it, you, you get leaves that fall, you get um, times of greater rainfall, lesser rainfall, more sediment deposit. Uh, so for instance, in the Northeast here, you get, uh, you know, snow melts and things like that. And, and high energy sediment tends to come in in the spring and the summer. And then over the summer, you have a little bit slightly less energy. You all the deciduous trees lose their leaves in the fall, which creates a ton of organic material into the lakes. And then they get buried and you end up with these alternating layers of light plastic stuff darker organic stuff and it basically the light and, to the dark is one year yeah period. and the dark is also clay rich because oftentimes the lakes will freeze and so your energy drops to zero it off, frozen, yeah. so all the clay settles out hey exactly. have you guys ever seen farves in a in an outcrop yes natu- you've no, seen varves? i've never seen a varv before uh I've, yes we have uh, the, we have hand samples in the lab yeah, I've seen hand samples. Um, I've never seen. Uh, there's a railroad cut somewhere out in Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, yeah, the Pottstown one. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I guess there. Yeah, you do see them there, don't you? Do you? Yeah, huh. I've been out there. Oh, they. I don't think they're. Those aren't technically varves. Those are lake level changes. Oh, those are then, Van Houten cycles. Then never mind. Um, but also with glacial deposits, circling back. Sorry, real quick. Um, in the again in the northeast Pennsylvania, you get um. It, it's interesting that uh, there's certain areas where there are cemeteries, and then there are certain areas where there are like quarries, and in the northeast, a lot of these areas of cemeteries versus quarries have to do with the glacial depositional environments because 
nobody wants to bury a bunch of people in rock and gravel beds because it's just too hard to dig. So they'll, they'll, they'll bury them in outwash plains where it's much lower energy. Uh, the huh. sediment is more sand and, and Makes silt. Sense. Makes and sense. then there's these gravel pits where they, they need gravel for building materials. And depending upon the energy of the system of the glacier, you know, if there's like a, a under underground glacial, glacial stream with a certain amount of energy, it's basically mother nature sorting that soil for you, sorting those grain size. Like yeah. the, the water's moving at this speed. It can only carry grains of this size. And then it deposits it. And then, you know, all it takes is for someone to be like, oh, here we go. This is a legit giant area of just gravel sized granite pieces. Well, Done. also in uh, if you look at New York City, just kind of the distribution of like where the skyscrapers are. Yeah. Following the glacial geomorphology of the area. So you can figure out where I know they have like moraines in that area. They have. uh uh, basically if you if you look at lower manhattan and midtown where the skyscrapers are and then in the middle there's nothing it's places where the bedrock is near the surface mm-hmm. where where the glaciers that expose the bedrock because it makes it easier to anchor those buildings mm-hmm. yeah then yeah. say okay so we covered aeolian which is wind blown so i just want to i just want to preface uh there's I think we did a, a whole, we've, we've done episodes on glaciers and I think we've covered all these environments and glaciers, but we, I, we did not just do glaciers justice. All right. So yeah. that, what you saw there was just like the lightning round. So hold, hold the comments on that one. Cause we know like, the, uh, yes, I, I realize that's a gargantuan yeah, topic. Cut that's us some like, slack. that's like, yeah. <laughs> several episodes that could be a several episode mini series right there just to cover all the glacial stuff it's it's just a huge huge topic so just just keep that in mind we didn't even touch eskers no right? we we Ooh, talked we about glaciers lakes episode 80 uh yeah, february of 2021 drumlins, r- um Roche Roche and sh- oh yeah Oh my God. Okay. Serps, so, horns, so. yeah, uh-huh. rats, yeah, hanging valleys. Oh, God, all so, all okay. <laughs> environments we're we're not covering. We're just well, kind of going over. It's not technically dep- the, the whole depositional environment. It's a glacial depositional environment. Those yeah, are just like those are geomorphic features. Yeah, those are the, just the, features. Right, the depositional environments. But, but that's anyways, what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff for, for today's um, episode. Yeah, and we really kind of glanced over the alien stuff. Didn't really. Um, Wind blows. Wind blows. Wind blows. We, um, I, you know, we didn't even touch on, say, fluvial. Yeah, we talked about the energy like, in, in fluvial yeah, system. All like the 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 depositional environment, like the subdepositional environments within a fluvial. Yeah. So, like getting back to like and, bends, well, bends yeah. in the river, in the outer bend where the where it's bank. moving fat full velocity is is highest you're going to have erosion into that bank. What? And on the inner bend, so we call that a cut bank because it's cutting into the bank. And then on the inner bend where you have that relatively lower velocity and sediment gets deposited, that would be a point bar. And so, the, you know, on these bendy rivers, what we call meandering rivers, you get lateral movement of the rivers across the floodplain. 
And so that would be, you know, and that's all depositional environment, the floodplain itself. Every time the river floods, it carries sediment. And then as soon as it overtops the banks of the channels, the, the energy starts dissipating and starts depositing sediment. And yep. so the whole floodplain is a depositional environment. So from an environmental uh, perspective, I have to go out to a river on Monday and the sampling procedure is to collect a sample from the middle of the channel. Okay. And part of this channel is a man-made river channel from the Army Corps engineers. That's all like, and I said, we're going to go out to the middle of the channel. There's going to be no sediment to sample. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, are, are we okay with moving more towards the point bar as opposed to the cut bank? So, you know, having these basic geologic knowledge, even when it comes to um, engineered rivers and environmental sampling, you know, you know, it is important. What do you mean? There's no sediment sample. You, it's just like it's it's. Rock. It's gonna be it's gonna be riprap, like rip just oh, uh, because like, oh, okay. it's okay. a man-made. Yeah, the Army yeah. Corps came through, like you know, uh, in the yeah. '30s, somebody put a railroad track in and rerouted this river, and then the river like is full of terrible stuff. So then the Army Corps came in and pulled out all the terrible sediment, and then just relined the river with riprap. And gotcha. So now yeah, riprap is essentially like large gravel pieces you know fist-sized pieces of rock that are well, hard to erode the moon is a piece of sediment the gravel could also be <laughs> you're saying unnatural sediment is <laughs> are we okay with sampling unnatural sediment yeah but you don't want to sample the unnatural stuff you want to get to pull the up natural a huge stuff. boulder here's the sediment side <laughs> uh so fun fact in order to take an environmental sample it needs to fit in a voa vial which is like a uh 50 milliliter vial with a one centimeter or i guess one and a half centimeter diameter lid hmm. so if i can put a rock in that i can sample it if not then i can't all right um so we got what else we got lacustrian environments yeah we talked about with that barbs briefly talked about lakes and the deposits with lakes these are uh, all classic so far so, uh, another fun thought experiment, poodle environments, right? Is that where you kill a bunch of poodles? That's where you kill. That's just the build poodles collect. No, poodle <laughs> swamps. Got it. Uh, oh, huh. coal coming right back to Jesse's favorite topic, oh. right? Coal comes yeah. from poodle environments, right? Um, what do you, what do you consider? That's, uh, obviously that's non-classic there. Um, yeah, and that's just all. But I mean, even uh, well, the deep sea. I oftentimes uh, I think about. Sorry, I'm I'm skipping over just swamps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so right, unlike there. you, but carry on. Yeah, I well, mean, you could say that the the, the polluted environment it's kind of overlaps with the, the estuary and stuff. Back it's barrier. just really low energy. Yeah, really low energy. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, which brings us to deep sea. Um, but oftentimes, like you think about the ocean or you think about the beach and you think about what sediment you have there and people, you know, especially when you talk to students and you're like, all right, you know, what sediment do you think of when you think of the ocean? And oftentimes they're like sand, because that's mm -hmm. what they see at the beach. 
I'm like, well, in the deep sea, you would have no sand. Sand is a large grain. And sand, you- a lot of people don't realize there's not as much sand out there as, as people think there is. Like it's at least on, well, yeah. Once you get, you, you you're, might you're be, like a sand truther. There's no sand. It's not real. <laughs> I'm not saying there's no sand. There's obviously sand, but the sand deposits is actually a lot smaller than what you think it is. Um, there's still a crap ton of sand, but like the beaches are, are made up of sand, at least on, you know, in the East coast, of the United States, you have really sandy beaches, but then you go off the coast and it switches over to like silt relatively yeah. fast a lot of people yeah, don't realize the energy they, drops off really fast. yeah a lot of people just think it's just like an unlimited amount of sand at the bottom of the ocean and it's not yeah and that's that's part of it too like oftentimes people think of the coast and when i'm trying to explain like the ocean is really low energy like they think yeah. of the coast but like waves crashing I'm, I'm trying to like nope the ocean is is very low energy yeah, I yeah. try to explain it with one of those like undersea submersibles and they land it it's on the floor <laughs> badly. And then it's can sometimes be hours before that sediment settles because it's yeah. so fine grain. And sometimes if they land it really badly, the mission is over. Like they have <laughs> to bring it back up because that sediment will not settle for yeah, days. I never thought about that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, uh, <clears throat> oftentimes in the deep sea, there's no s- sediment. The only sediment being produced oftentimes are the, the you know, microscopic organisms when they die. And or, they settle, or dust. dust and or, micrometeorites. Yes, yes, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> yeah. So when it's just the single-celled organisms and when they die and they rain down, that's called pelagic you know we call that pelagic material and it it piles up on the bottom of the sea floor and there's very little oxygen down there so it doesn't the organic material doesn't really break down so it's this really sludgy material we call pelagic ooze the ooze and so some we call pelagic snow too when it's coming down um through the water column but yeah and if it if it has micrometeorites or dust you know wind dust or volcanic dust we would call that hemipelagic uh sediment so a lot of people don't realize that one of the major sources of sediment being deposited like in the atlantic ocean and it's there's not a lot of sediment right it's a a very what's the um do you guys sedimentation rate is like i don't know it's like uh jeez Oh, like maybe one, a millimeter per 10,000 years. Yeah. Like, I was or say, is, is it a, it's, is it a meter per million years? So it's a centimeter every thousand years. Centimeter per, th- okay. Even even that seems, per I thought it was even, I, I thought yeah. it was even like less than that. Yeah. A millimeter like, per thousand, something like that. Millimeter yeah. per thousand years. It was either like a millimeter per thousand or per 10,000. 10, I thought it's really, really slow. Yeah. yeah. Super slow. Really slow. But one of the major sources, like in the Atlantic Ocean, is the dust from uh, Saharan uh, sandstorms, just getting blown over. Yeah, we. Ocean. I mean, in so in, in like Greenland, in, in in the ice of Greenland, you have these layers of of sort of light and dark, light and dark, that we can drill a core into the ice 
and record in its annual layers mm-hmm. of light and dark, light and dark. Because during, I think it's the summer, the wind blows off the Sahara. And so you get this darker layer of ice that has basically Saharan dust or in, in it that lands on, on Greenland. And then during the wintertime, the winds shift. And so you get clear ice on top of it. So all of this Saharan dust, and oftentimes in, in big like dust storms, you can, you can see it in satellite images, these clouds of dusts uh, blowing off of, off of Northern Africa over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- yeah. there have been times where, you know, cars in Atlanta have been covered in dust from the Sahara. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't say yeah. covered, like a coating. There was that dust storm, yeah. That oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. We talked about them on the podcast, yeah, uh, last year or something. Um, yeah. where it's you know it's just a thin coating of dust. Like, you know, if that were to happen in Philly, I would think like, oh, it's just pollen. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about it. But it's actually yeah. dust from Sahara. Yeah, that's several right. thousand yeah. miles away. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, geez, we didn't even get into really the non-classic. Should we save that for the nice. next one? We could do non-classic or, or another one, I should say. Yeah, yeah we did next yeah. week. Just cover the we can cover the carbonates next week. That's a huge topic. It's huge. Ooh, we can get into the dolomite problem. We'll solve the dolomite. Oh, there we go. All right. So we got our episode for next week. Look at this. Is that it's... the uh the rapper from the 70s? Yeah, dolomite. <laughs> uh let's do that next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, so right. there's your there's your cliffhanger. <gasps> about dum, dum, dum. carbonates and the dolomite problem. Uh, carbonates evaporates. <laughs> yeah. We'll even throw in some church there. Sure. Ooh. Oh. We'll have a good so, shirt. <laughs> before we end, I just want to remind everyone that um, we have a Patreon site out there. And if you would like to help out the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. You can sponsor us. There's many different tiers of, uh, of sponsorship there. And it helps us out with like equipment stuff and, you know, web upkeep fees and, and stuff like that that's associated with the podcast. But the one thing that you can do along with the podcast is um, if you become a Patreon sponsor is you can hang out with us every week while we do the, 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 um, the podcast you can watch it live. And so we have a question that just came in from one of our uh, Patreon sponsors, Michelle. Yeah, literally, and- we have thousands of people watching us right now. Anyway, or maybe less, than, maybe less than maybe less than ten. But still, <laughs> Michelle has a great question. All right, so Michelle asked, uh, "Any thoughts on difficulty getting samples from Mars? So, rock samples slash sediment samples from Mars. What do you so guys? Mars think about is this? definitely covered with sediment. Yes. yes, you have an atmosphere and you have weather. And- yep, and you also have meteorite impacts, just like the moon. The moon does not have an atmosphere, but. Um, I, I want to say there is a, a, a Chinese probe or an Indian probe that was looking to bring samples back. There's also was, an American probe that's doing there's, that. There's yeah. an American probe. I think the Indian or Chinese probe was on the moon. The moon. Oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, they, they, they're, I mean, samples are being collected all the time from a bunch of different nations, but they're being analyzed yeah. in situ. Like I don't, they have little on, XRFs and 
I think who else is on Mars? Is, no, no one. Just no one that. else except for the Americans, right? Oh, I thought China was on there too. No, oh, USA, no, on the moon. USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> So um, I think so. Yeah, I'm yeah. almost positive, but it it doesn't matter. But the samples, for the most part, are analyzed at the surface of Mars. Like they have XRFs and XRDs and all and these the, instruments on the rovers that are collecting the samples and then analyzing on Mars and sending the data back. And the main reason, so, real fast, the United States and the Soviet Union are the only two countries to land a spacecraft on Mars. Yeah. What's the deal? So that goes back. That's dated. Yeah. <laughs> so, back in the USSR. Yeah. The only extent country would be us. Uh, the main issue, I think, with sampling to bring back is, is again, it's, a, it's much like the Hulstrom diagram. It's the energy required. So samples have weight. And you would need all of that fuel to, you know, produce the, the rocket to get lift off of Mars back to Earth. Mm-hmm. I saw the Martian. He had to do a lot of yeah. lightning of his load in order to I, get out in the atmosphere. So if you look at how we got samples back from the moon, we weren't dealing with rovers on the moon back during the Apollo missions. We had actual humans that went on there. Well, and, they had rovers too. Yeah, Apollo well, I guess 15. I think, dune the buggies. Or whatever. Yeah. Dune buggy. Okay, I'll give you that. But like, but you had astronauts. So we we had a mechanism to get the astronauts back, and the astronauts just brought back a little, you know, some extra weight with the with the moon rocks. And also, but, the the amount of energy to break the moon's gravity is much much smaller than the amount of energy point, yeah. to break yeah, great Mars's gravity. So Mars is a quarter of the size of Earth. So, um, yeah, and it's just it's further away, and and just there's there's a lot more variables involved with you know we with with getting stuff back we can we can get the get the rovers on mars but getting getting the stuff back is just like an extra it's it's got some extra work to it so what the late what's the um geez i'm blanking right now i know the name but it's just i can't think of it right now the the latest mars rover perseverance ingenuity ingenuity okay person perseverance i think you're right perseverance okay um yeah. That's actually we could fi- find that out real fast, but that <laughs> that uh, that rover is collecting samples and putting them aside for a future mission to Mars, and the, the future mission is gonna gonna pick them up. So um, perseverance, you were right. Perseverance. Okay. So I guess uh, just off the top of my head, some of the some of the things that that you're gonna have to deal with, I guess, collecting a sediment sample from Mars wouldn't be too too difficult if it's uh you know somewhat of a sandy you know sandy slash silty yeah just a loose sediment yeah Yeah, loose sediment sample but if you want rock then you gotta probably gonna have to drill down so you got to send send over something Uh, maybe we should send in the prospector my robot (laughs) fighting robot i don't i think only the patreon friends know about this oh (laughs) Steve, Steve, Steve's been doing battle Steve, bots. His his cousin and his brother built a battle bot. He called it the Prospector and put a rock hammer on it. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Frank, awesome, our yeah. Patreon says that uh, China does have a rover on Mars. Oh, hmm. so right. I was right. Um. Oh yeah, it's like the uh, 
Oh yeah. They just Eon did it when one. Yeah, just landed on May. Yeah, where can I say I'm up to date? <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Oh, there was another one. Uh the Young Ho one. Um oh that, they didn't make it. Never mind. Um dum, dum, dum. A lot of them didn't make it over to Mars. It's, it's hard to get something over to, to, to Mars there. But so the, the main thing is just getting it back. Um, you know, obviously we don't have humans over there. So it just, it just be the, the engineering behind drilling, potentially drilling something down and, and storing it inside the rover and then launching the rover back. You would have to have some, the, the, way, the way we did it with the moon missions was like Steve said, it, it's, it's easy to, the, the, to, to get off the um, moon, it's easy to get off the moon. <laughs> Mars is a little bit bigger, but we also while the while we had while we had boots on the surface of the moon, there was also something else orbiting around the moon, and they rendezvoused, you know. And then and, and we've also we've taken samples from asteroids, which if you think about that, it's just mind blowing. Yeah, the Japanese we, we, brought they, 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 they did yeah. they get the samples back yet, or they're but but again the, the process the, of major hurdle of that is getting back off the surface now for an asteroid there's not much gravity for you to overcome you can just kind of like take yourself off and again the moon there is gravity but again it's not as much energy intensive to kick yourself off whereas mars you'd have to bring a crap ton of energy with you and or some sort of energy producing device like solar panels or something to collect yeah. enough energy for you then to store it and then kick yourself I don't know, off solar of panels to get you back they're they're you I mean they're talking like refueling uh, stations and but, stuff like that but, like but again if you did something similar to the moon where you had solar panels charged up enough where you can kick yourself off i again i don't think it's possible but then you rendezvoused with something that did have more oomph to then get it back to earth but as of right now uh, Michelle, the, the quickest and easiest way to analyze rocks on Mars is literally to bring the lab to Mars, to land yeah. the lab on Mars, analyze it on Mars with the equipment we can send there, and then get that data transmitted back. Because well, they, they got um, uh, XRD, X-ray diffraction, on yep. on the rover, so you can figure out the mineralogy. Um, you can see, yeah. XRF see. as well. And, I'm sorry, yeah, XRF, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure there's other spectral things and stuff like that. But yeah, X- XRD will give you mineralogy. XRF will give you the elemental composition of things. Um, you know, so so you're getting you're getting I mean, data. It's easier to just send the lab over there than to, to actually bring the rocks back to. Um, yeah, perseverance came up empty. Yeah, they had an issue with. I want to say like something on the drill, like the collector. They had a. I'm, I remember hearing about they. They've been working through some issue. Mm-hmm. It's a problem when you're a few million miles. Away. Yeah, imagine yeah, it, imagine it, it, like it, trying to send a fix and then having to wait like 27 I, hours to see if it worked. <laughs> well, it's not I, only that, but just just if you're in, if you're an engineer sitting like on Earth trying to control this rover, you send over a signal. What is it? Is it 15 minutes to get I mean, it? 11 yeah. minutes, 11 minutes, something like that. 18, to, to, yeah, something, just, I guess it just for the message to get to the rover. And then if the rover wants to talk back to you, you have to wait another like 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. So there's 30 minutes for one 
you know, one back and forth right there. So, yeah. And I've, I mean, I've been on enough drill rigs on earth that have failed when you're <laughs> right there. Stuff always goes wrong. Yeah. I, I've probably been on more drill rigs that have had something break than drill rigs that have not. Yeah. yeah drilling. There's a lot. And, of definitely and more don't get me wrong. You, you have selective memory. You tend to, you tend to remember those times when it didn't work versus the times when it did. <laughs> like how many times you ever have to like reach behind a couch and plug a plug in and it's the wrong way. And you have to like turn it around and then plug it in a USB. Yeah, yeah, you always USBs. have to try three times. Exactly. Three times you go to the USB to work. Yeah. <laughs> Even though so. there's only two possible configurations, yet you have to try it three times. Yeah. So, so. Uh, great questions, Michelle. Yeah, great questions. That answers that. It's it's really freaking hard. Is the answer for yeah, that? Man. <laughs> so, all right, let's wrap things up for this week. Uh, it's been a little bit of a longer episode for this week, but that's cool. Um, thanks everyone. Uh, thanks. Uh, I can't even talk right now. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out and watching, watching, listening to the Geology Final Cast, downloading <laughs> the episode this week. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to help out, if you like the Geology Final Cast a lot, you want to kind of help us out a little bit, we got some merch on geologyfinalcast.com, coffee mugs, which make your coffee. Steve just confirmed it this week. Steve oh, was sending us some pictures. I was sitting on, his, sitting sitting on my on deck, his deck like, wow, this coffee really is 20% better. Yeah, he's like, it's it's confirmed. So according to Steve Peterson, it's uh, it's it's confirmed. That yeah, I'll see if Jesse can't put a picture. It's essentially just my hairy leg and my mug. Uh, <laughs> so put that on Instagram or something. I will. Yeah. Done and done. Your hairy leg and like your mug is in your face or your mug is in your coffee mug. Uh, we'll let the people wait and see. You got to log on right. to Instagram to find out. Oh, you're on the Instagram too. But uh, so patreon.com slash geology flannel kiss. If you want to help us out that way with a, a monthly, a monthly pledge, we really appreciate uh, all of our Patreon friends that uh, tune in every week and come for the hangout. Um, really appreciate hanging out with you guys. It's fun. It's, it's a lot and, of fun. Hanging and out honestly, word of mouth, like that we <laughs> tell your friends. That's, that's what it's all about. Tell your friends. Uh, yeah. Talk, you know, next time you're at a, function just be like hey you guys listening to the geology flannel gas because if not you should be and then just walk away from the group uh mic drop so <laughs> yeah so um yeah there's that and um that's about it so uh <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much everyone for listening this week to the geology flannel cast love you guys and we will catch you Next week, we're going to talk about uh, non-clastic depositional environments. We try to, we got a lot to talk about with that one too. That's another huge topic that could take weeks to get through, but weeks. Oh, can yeah. we call it the secret of the ooze? Like the Ooh, teenage like the mutant turtles? ninja turtles part yes. two. Oh yeah, classic. Yes. What year did that come out? Like ninety-one. Ah <sighs> uh, man, are you really? In, I don't know. No, it wasn't ninety-one. Here we go. Steve's going to look this up right now. Uh, classic movie. I remember when that movie came that out. A, that's our '90s movie reference for the that's night. That's the '90s movie reference for the night, right there. What do you got, Steve? Oh, shoot, '91. You are right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks again, uh, Jesse. What song are you going to take us out with tonight? Oh, oh, oh man, oh, yes. Look at his face right now. He was not expecting me to. Get no, I'm, I'm trying to put the mug picture up. Uh, <laughs> how about we talked about uh saharan winds let's talk about rains in africa a little toto 
Uh, I like it. <laughs> I was going right. to go with uh, Brick in the Wall, but that Toto is much better. Yeah. So there you go. Hum along to that song as we're going to start the Geology Final Cast theme now. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a great one, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> <laughs>